Welcome back to the Flutie Flakes cast. I'm Doug Flutie. Uh, my guest this week coming up later, Eli Manning. A uh, chance to talk a little bit about him and his uh, Jersey retirement and obviously uh, what they're doing on he and his brother Peyton doing on Monday Night Football. As, along the brothers line, I played with my younger brother professionally. who We both played in the NFL as well. And I had a third brother who also played Division One football. So there are some connections. Uh, really fun weekend for me, I went up to Boston College. Uh, I'll get to the NFL weekend in a second. But I went up to BC and got to a game. They had a little Heisman House appearance and all that kind of stuff on campus. It was a lot of fun to be back on campus and around. But was so exciting. With Jeff Halfley as the head coach now at Boston College, they're now 4-0. There was atmosphere at the stadium. And it was just fun to be at a Boston College football game again. And it's been a while since that atmosphere has been there. It was a big win against an SEC opponent, Missouri. Um, came down the wire. Boston College goes the length of the field with a gutsy drive. Tried to milk the clock. They did milk the clock. Stuck it in the end zone to take a three-point lead with maybe 30 seconds to go. And um, Missouri came back down the field and hits a 56-yard field goal. Harrison Nevis, I mean, just from a college standpoint, to, to line up, have the confidence in your kid to hit that thing, and he stepped up and ripped it, sent it to OT. Boston College winds up winning in an OT. And my takeaway is that these kickers' legs, I mean, we're talking college football lines up, it's a 56-yarder. Uh, in the NFL this week, a 68-yard attempt, a 66-yard attempt. Uh, the guys have that kind of range now. And, but it's also dangerous. There's a dangerous side to going after these long field goal attempts. So you do it just – you don't want to give up field position on a missed field goal. So you're only doing it at the end of a game out of necessity or give it a crack at the end of the half. And we've seen over the past few years long field goal attempts return for touchdowns. So first of all, we'll go with the 68-yard attempt, 109-yard kickoff return. So that was what Matt Prater and uh, Agnew returns it. 109 yards you're lining up for these kicks and i go back to cfl days in the cfl the goalposts were on the goal line the end zones were 20 yards deep if you down the ball in the end zone you're giving up a single point there are times where guys did that and they allowed the single point to get field position there's other times where they have an opportunity to get it the heck out of the end zone and run it out decently so they do so in the cfl we learned that after 35 yard field goal anything outside of that we're changing our field goal team. We're not putting all the big 330-pound offensive linemen in there because you're going to have to go cover a kick. And what's happened, you go back to the Alabama-Auburn game. Alabama was lining up for a ridiculously long field goal attempt to potentially win a game that was tied. It's going to wind up going to overtime. And it gets returned for the touchdown to Jordan Hare and uh, the miracle of Jordan Hare happens. All your offensive linemen are on the field. You would think they would learn by now. Put in linebackers, maybe your defensive backs on the wings to go cover the kick. Instead, you've got all your offensive linemen, maybe your tight end type bodies on the wings, and then there's space. What happens with a field goal is there's so much space between the returner and the coverage team that alleys happen, that there's room to maneuver. There's room to blow by. He's at full tilt before he gets to any defender. And uh, it's very a very dangerous situation as far as covering a kick. And I just think with all, all the analytics the NFL does, all the scrutiny, all the film watching, all the, uh, the just total hours they put in, you got to figure out, you got to put some athletes on the field to go cover these kicks on the, uh, on the extremely long field goal attempts. And let's give a, a little tip of the hat to Justin Tucker hitting the 66-yarder 
last play of the game to win. And it, it was amazing that it was right at 66. He hits the crossbar, bounces across. I go back to a game I played with Buffalo in San Diego. It was actually the first game that I got on the field that, that San Diego hit a 55-yarder. They hit the crossbar and went through. It wound up being a game winner. Um, it's fun to see these things. I'm waiting for the day that's one of these punters, one of these big punters goes out there and lines up for like an 80 yard drop kick on the last play of the game, because you can get the ball up in the air and let it carry longer, especially if you have the wind at your back, it'll carry. And uh, someday we'll see that. I still want the NFL to make a drop kick worth four points. That way it would bring it back into the game. It also get a lot of coaches fired going for four instead of three. Uh, from the NFL this weekend, uh, Matt Stafford being in LA with the Rams defense that they had a year ago, this is making the difference now. And are the Rams really that good? I think they are. I think they're going to be, uh, they'll be in the mix right at the very end, final four or better. Tom Brady brings the Tampa Bay Bucks to New England. I was just up for the Boston College game. I was in, in Boston for the weekend, listening to the talk radio, listening to the shows. And they are, they actually were doing record a hate video or audio about Tom Brady, that they hate Tom Brady. Yeah, they, it's all in tongue in cheek, but uh, it amazes me that Tom's coming to town, won all those Super Bowls for New England, and the radio stations are encouraging people to, to hate on Tom and get it out there. So they were mixing it up early in the week. The tickets up there are going for crazy money. The giveaways of tickets, people are doing everything and anything to get their hands on them. It's going to be a lot of fun. New England struggling a little bit. Uh, Mac Jones, a quarterback, I, I've raved about him. I think he had a rough weekend with three interceptions, some things you can't control. I think he's getting a lot of pressure in his face, and that's why he gets the ball out quickly. But uh, he's got to find a way. He's not getting the ball up the field. They're not making big plays in the pass game in New England. And the defense is a little bit suspect right now. And right now, the talk up there, they're afraid, uh, you know, and talking to or in listening to the talk radio, up, they are afraid that Tom Brady is going to want to come up and put 50 points on the Patriots and uh, make a point. You give Tom Brady a reason to be great. I say this all the time. If you give Tom Brady a reason to be great, he's going to be great. I, I'm excited to see this one and see him go up there and everyone in the New England area is as well. But the only time Tom Brady is not – actually, he was great in these games too. But the one guy that's gotten the better of Tom Brady has always been – or was Eli Manning in the Super Bowls, 2-0 and against them, figured out a way to win it at the end, came up with the big plays. And, uh, you know, talk a little bit about the growing up days. Uh, I, had, I had two brothers that played. We were all very competitive together. We played – my younger brother and I played college football together went on to play at least a half a year professionally together up in CFL, but he, he had a short NFL career, a bunch of years in the NFL. My older brother was a division one football and baseball player. So it was always growing up. It was a war when we were playing against each other out in the front yard, backyard, whatever fights break out, all that very competitive. When we were on the same team, it was us against the world. And, and that's the way it always felt. And we always pushed each other to be strong. And the younger brother, I always thought, had the advantage. My older brother was good. I became the better athlete and, and got better because I was always playing with the older kids. My younger brother was four years younger than me. As far as I'm concerned, and to this day, I swear, he is the best athlete. He was the best athlete. He went through high school without losing a football game, 38-0. He was a, a major recruit college-wise from East Coast to West Coast, decided to go to Boston College. We got a chance to play together, which was just a thrill for me. Got a chance to throw a touchdown pass to him towards the end of the season. 
And uh, just still a highlight of my college career to me was, was playing with my younger brother. The younger brother always kind of had the advantage in the edge, I thought, growing up because he could see what you were doing ahead of him. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to have a chance to talk to Eli about that. All the things he's doing on Monday Night Football, he and his brother Peyton, uh, it's a lot of fun. In fact, when you're sitting, that's the other problem with that now. You're sitting with your brother, so things get a little loose and, and out of control, and you just relaxed. And uh, it must be really cool to continue your career and have a chance to do it with your brother. Most fun I ever had playing football. We had eight games together. He had nearly a thousand yard receiving in those eight games. And we were playing in British Columbia together. We were, we were doing on things on the field that were just instinctive, things with hand signals, things that probably we did in our backyard since we were 10 years old. So really excited about the opportunity to come up and talk to Eli Manning. He's coming up next. Remember, you can get your Flutie Flakes cast on Apple, Pandora, and Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to rate and review. All right, as we said, my guest, Eli Manning, joining us uh, today, uh, New York Giants, 15 years, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs, Walter Payton, Man of the Year, four-time Pro Bowl, blah, 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 blah. Just had your number retired the other day. Congratulations, and thanks a lot, Eli, for joining me. Yeah, thanks a lot, Doug. Uh, happy to be on and uh, looking forward to this. How was that on Sunday? How was uh, the emotion and the ceremony and being back in Giant Stadium? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Just the the response by the crowd. Um, you know, they were just they were, they were cheering. I you know I didn't know if they would they would ever stop, but they told me I had I had to start the speech. You know, you're kind of on a tight uh, time frame for that halftime. You know, they, you know the the team's got to run out there eventually. But um, so it was pretty emotional just to see the reaction and and had a bunch of teammates and, and coaches all around and, um, you know, and friends and family. So um, a, a pretty awesome kind of final farewell, you know, to, to the fans, Giants fans and everybody and, and uh, you know, very, very special day. It's so cool. And I guess uh, Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick did a little video message as well. Yeah, they did something. We had like a little, a little uh, party Saturday night. Um, and so Peyton uh, did a good job kind of, getting a lot of guys to send videos and messages and, and whatnot. So uh, Belichick and Brady uh, bo- both sent one and uh, w- with a, a bunch of, bunch of other people in the, in the football world, old, old guys who played against announcers. And, and uh, it was, so it was pretty, pretty funny. Uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of people taking shots, but then saying nice things, but yeah, just happy to bring Belichick and, and Brady, uh, you know, back together somehow. Now, before I forget this, yeah, I've grown up a uh, New England area kid, Boston College, everything like that. So the year that they were undefeated and you guys go to the Super Bowl and beat them, my daughter actually was a cheerleader for the New England Patriots that year. So not only did you steal Tom's, one of Tom's potential rings and, and gain your first, uh, you stole a ring from my daughter. So <laughs> I'm thank sorry. you very much. I'm right. sorry. Probably I, what, what would they get? They would get like a pendant or something. Yeah, probably. Right. Exactly. My daughter knew you were coming on. She, I had to say that. Well, I think they, they got enough. I you know New England, they got enough Super Bowls <laughs> and championships. They could spare a few. Uh, you know, I've gotten to be friendly with Tom over, over the years. And, and, you know, I, I never, when we were together, I never mentioned, you know, uh, obviously the two times we played in, in the Super Bowls, just, you know, he's got, you know, the MVPs, he's got enough rings to, to fill us, you know, the whole hand uh, practically now. So there's never anything, but he, he brings up that 07 one uh, all the time. Like it still bothers him 
for that season because they would go down as the greatest team of all time. And they would be, you know, the only, uh, you know, obviously since the, the Dolphins, but to, to go, you know, 18 and 0 and, and to have that, I think that that one still kind of haunts them a little bit. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and it, you know, from my standpoint, it's, it's the games that got away or the games that, that you didn't win that, that stick to your mind more than the big wins. It's amazing how that, how athletes work that way. You know, we're always yeah. looking for, for, for perfection. How about the new Monday night gig and, and being with your brother and having fun in the, I'd say in the booth or on the couch, <laughs> whatever, you know, how's that going for you? People seem to really love it. Yeah. You know, it's going, it's going well. And, and we're still kind of figuring out, uh, you know, each week it is a learning a learning curve and it is so brand new and it's kind of a different way to, to view football. And, and I think it's kind of for the, you know, it's not for everybody. There, there's definitely people that, Hey, they will want the traditional way. And, and I get that. And I think if you're, you know, if you're a fan of one of those teams playing, you're, you're probably not watching Peyton and I's analysis. You're probably watching the, the real game and you're watching, you know, the uh, you know, you want the play by play and everything going on. I, I kind of think our version is, for the person who just, hey, they kind of, hey, let's just watch Monday Night Football. I don't really care who wins this game. I'm just casually going to watch it. And, and, you know, hopefully we can create, you know, some stories or some laughs. And I think we had, you know, get some great guests, uh, you know, had uh, Matthew Stafford and Coach Saban and LeBron James and, you know, Chris Longs last week. So you get some good guys, get their insights. And so, you know, we're still trying to figure out, like, you know, how to, how to get to a commercial break and who's going to take this and that. You got to have a bunch of people who've never done TV before trying to host a TV show. So it's, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely some, um, you know, just some kind of rawness to it, I guess. The cool thing for me is that, and, and maybe it's a little dangerous too, it's you and your brother and you're hanging out and you start ribbing each other and you get a little loose around the edges. What happened the other night? <laughs> was that, was that, yeah. that, Go ahead. A little loose. Yeah, exactly. You kind of forget you're on TV. You're kind of just like, hey, it's on the couch watching the game with the brother. And and uh, yeah, I kind of, you know, uh, you know, kind of telling a story. Peyton sets me up to tell this story. He's heard me tell it, you know, 50 times uh, around him, around buddies. And, you know, all of a sudden you kind of forget for a second and let a let a finger fly. But, uh, you know, it's just communicating. It's just what I saw. I, mean, I saw it. It's just in there. Just kind of. Uh-oh. Uh, so a quick apology, you know, uh, I didn't mean to offend anybody, but I figure that's the worst thing we do on live TV. I think we'll be, it'll be a successful year. No, you're fine with that. And it's, <laughs> my, my theory is this, whenever you're quoting someone else or saying, then, then it's fair game. You can say anything you want. That's always, no, this guy said, yeah, well, I got it. I got to quote it properly. So I got to right. say it the way he said it. Right. Exactly. So that is, exactly. That's, that's my deal is always, you got to go with that. What else you have going on off the field now? Yeah. So I'm doing, you know, Peyton did um, kind of Peyton's places, his history at the NFL, and he's doing a little, you know, some spinoffs of that and, and other people are doing other sports. I'm doing a college college football version of that called Eli's places and, and, and going around, you know, kind of been all around uh, the country, uh, just kind of highlighting universities, great uh, players, great plays, different um, just traditions in college football. So it's been a lot of fun and kind of starting with the first game ever, 1869 Rutgers Princeton through kind of the Ivy leagues of how they got everything going and, and, you know, going to get you also, we got you coming, you know, going to be a part of, a part of that. And you're, Great play at um, back at BC and the Hail Mary. So 
uh, 62 flood tip, you know, Still, <laughs> I, I, I know that's what we called. That's what we called it with the giants. That's what we yeah. called the play with Tom Coughlin, you know, Tom Coughlin. It, it Tom Coughlin. For, you know, if you, if you, if you have a play and it works, you just keep the same name and, and hope you get the same results. We, we hit it. We hit a couple of them in, in some playoff games, uh, uh, before half hit a hail Mary to a keen Knicks and versus green Bay in the 2011 playoffs. What are some little things that you did on a hail Mary play that you felt gave it a little more of a chance? Well, I think the number one thing you always got to remember is, you know, you, yours was a little different. You're you're backed up on, on your own, you know, 35 yard line. So you, you you had to you're just trying to get it to the end zone. The one we had, we're kind of on the 40 yard line going in. The number one rule is don't throw it out of the end zone, right? You know that that you see guys do that. You're like, no, you know, just give your guy a chance. So I think you just want to buy some time. You know, don't throw it too early where there's no one down there. You just throw it to the defense. So buy some time and just try to throw it as high, high as possible, kind of. And you don't want your receivers to get too wide. I say kind of keep keep everything, you know, somewhat, um, you know, kind of and and in the NFL kind of near the hashes in the, in the college, probably near the numbers, just so you don't get too 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 far wide. And just we kind of throw it, you know, kind of four three or four yards into the end zone. So. If it gets tipped backwards, someone can catch it, or tipped forward, the guys that catch it in the end zone. You don't want guys catching it at the two-yard line and getting tackled. Mm-hmm. See, all those things seem like such common sense little things to you and me. And I, you know, that's my approach. It's very similar. Buy as much time as possible. Make sure you land the ball in the end zone. Give your guy a chance. Don't throw it out out of bounds. But guys don't do that. You see, guys, especially at the college, level, but now NFL guys are kind of figuring it out. Right. You no, know, you should. You- I think you got to talk. Yeah, I think it's important. You, you want to talk about the play. It's not just, hey, just, you know, f- throw it up there. I mean, it's there. there is – got to kind of analyze it. Hey, where do you want to throw it? Who are you throwing to? And, I mean, just, yeah, it's simple. Don't, don't throw it out of the end. So, I mean, that's, that's the worst. That's the worst. You see the guys, all of a sudden, they get a great driver. They hit a big play. They get it to the 40. They spike it, and they call the Hail Mary – and they, you know, sail it 10 yards out of the end zone. And it's like, geez, just give yourself a chance. You want All you Absolutely. want is a chance. Absolutely. And how many guys, and I don't know if you think, I know this for a fact, when you're trying to Hail Mary at the end of the half, how many guys are going to land that ball out of bounds or uh, out of the yeah. end zone intentionally? They don't want the That's, interception. They, they don't, don't want the, the interception. <laughs> they don't want the interception. Unbelievable. I, I will say this, and I, I talked about it on my podcast before, my Hail Mary, I knew they were coming with a three-man rush, and I was going to hold on the ball as long as I could. I walk over to the tight end on the backside. He was supposed to be in a protection. I'm like, hey, get wide and go long down the boundary. I was going to roll right, take a peek. Didn't have time to peek back through it. The safety went up for it. Backside corner bumps into him. Ball goes through. Backside corner bumped into him. Tight end is all by himself on the 10-yard line on the backside. (laughs) And I saw a picture of this for the first time last year. It's unbelievable. Do you owe all that success to Jack Bicknell? Was he making some good blocks for you there? <laughs> Jackie Jr. Was, have you, uh, was he one of your O-line? He was one of your O-line yeah, coaches. He, yeah, he was an O-line coach or assistant O-line with, with the Giants. And, and uh, in 2011, we won a championship and, 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 and uh, just liked him, liked him so much and, and you know, kind of knew about him because he was at – you know, in Louisiana coaching for so long at La Tech. And then uh, he actually went to Ole Miss. I kind of helped him. We lost an O-line coach and and I called, uh, he was, he was not coaching. So we got him at, at Ole Miss for a little bit. So one of the great guys and, and, and uh, you know, we talked about that play a bunch and, and, you know, his time at BC. Eli's talking about Jackie 
Bicknell Jr., who was my center in college. His father was our head coach. And I'll tell you what, the two, their two personalities were identical. His dad <laughs> and him. I, I was so thankful. I had Tom Coughlin as my offensive coordinator. So I had to deal with Tom during the week. But on game day, it was like being on vacation. I had Jack on the sideline and Tom's up in the booth. And it was like being on vacation and so much fun. He allowed me to play loose and relax and have fun. And that's so much of it is, is having the right people around you in a situation to be successful. Uh, what do you see from the Giants now and uh, Daniel Jones, a quarterback, and what they're doing? I know they're 0-3. Uh, yeah. What's your take so far? Yeah, I mean, just, just you know, lost a couple – couple of heartbreakers in Washington last week on a last second field goal where they missed the first one. And we jumped off sides this past week uh, versus Atlanta kind of had a chance at the end to have an interception in the end zone. We don't catch it. They, you know, and uh, end up, you know, making a play to you know tie the game. And then, you know, they, they kick another last second field goal to lose the game. And you, you just know, like in the NFL, it's those games, like the difference, you know, the difference in a lot of times for these teams kind of making the playoffs, you know, there's always kind of those teams that are just, Hey, here are the best teams and they're going to get 13 wins. But the other ones, it's like you're grinding to get those 10 wins or 11 wins and make a playoff or win the division or sneak in the, in a wild card. And it's those last second, you know, field goals or the last second plays where you, you, you know, you win those instead of lose those. And that's that's how you get in the playoffs. And so it's just finding ways uh, to win those tight ones. And for whatever reason, they just kind of, you know, are finding ways to lose those. And so I, I, I thought I think Daniels played, you know, played well this season. Uh, the last two games, he's thrown it accurately. Um, you know, he's, he's not getting tons of help. They're not running the ball great, you know, but he's, you know, he's made some great throws and and playing smarter, not making mistakes. And so. I hope that they can just, you know, kind of grind through this. And as you know, kind of when you have some tough times and you're able to fight through it, it makes you stronger, right? It makes you appreciate the wins. It makes you work harder, uh, you, you know, and, and kind of can come together as a team. And so I'm hoping they can grind through this and, and get some wins and, and get back on track. Yeah, you know how tough it is when things start going bad, they can snowball very easily. It's so hard to like get that off your back. All you need is that one breakthrough game and get a little confidence and yeah, and get no rolling doubt. again. Uh, really enjoy seeing you and Peyton uh, together. I had an opportunity to play uh, in college with my younger brother one year professionally in CFL. Uh, talk about some growing up days of the two of you. How how much younger are you than than? Peyton. Yeah. So Peyton, you know, Peyton's five years older than me. And so, you know, and he's two years younger than our oldest brother, Cooper. So Cooper kind of picked on him and then Peyton thought it was his duty to, to pick on me. And so, um, you know, he definitely beat up on me a little bit, a lot of wedgies, a lot of doogies <laughs> and wet willies and, and, and all those things. And just, you know, some days if he just wasn't in the mood, it was just kind of like, all right, let's, let's see if I can make Eli cry today. Um, but, you know, uh, I mean, there's, there's always that with three boys in the house. It's just, you know, a lot, a lot of sports. And, uh, you know, those two, those two guys are my heroes, my two brothers. I looked up to them. I saw them when Peyton was a sophomore. Cooper was a senior in high school. Peyton was a starting quarterback. Cooper was a starting receiver. You know, watching them play high school football was so good. And just like, those are my heroes. I just wanted to be a part of it. And, you know, when they had buddies over, 
and they're playing pickup, you know, basketball in the backyard. I was like, Hey, can I play? I'll, I'll be any, I'll be a permanent, you know, this, you know, rebounder. I don't care. Hey, if we play pickup football, I'll be permanent center. I just, you just wanted to be around them and, and their buddies. Those are the guys you looked up to. And so, um, yeah, but then they were both great big brothers down the, down the road. I think really kind of for Peyton and I, once I went to Ole Miss, you know, it's like when, when he went off to college, he was 18, I was 13. Very, we didn't have much in common. He didn't come home during college much. He stayed at Tennessee. So kind of when I went to Ole Miss, he was in the NFL. He would come back for the spring and, and, and kind of hang out, go through spring football. We, we, we finally had something in common. We could talk college football. We could you know, talk X's and O's, talk scheme and fundamentals. We could go after and have a beer. And, and so you kind of had finally had some, some similarities and things going on. And, and that's really when we kind of uh, became a lot closer. I, I, I'm laughing to myself because my older brother was a year and a half older than me. He was a senior. I was a sophomore. He was a returning co-captain starting quarterback. I took over a quarterback as a sophomore. He went to receiver. We played together. It was my older brother and I that always played together. And then my younger brother was just a little too young, right? Right. And, and we would do things when we were all little in the hallway. We'd put pads on at eight, six years old, eight years old, 10 years old, and make my little brother carry the football. And the only way he was going to get by us in the hallway is go up and over. And so we <laughs> beat the tar out of our younger brother and toughened him up. And the younger brother ends up being the best athlete of the group. And in my family, my younger brother, Darren, no, no doubt about it. Similar, similar situations. A hundred percent. I think I, yeah, I, I, uh, my brothers both take credit for my, my streak of, of, of NFL games without injury. They, they say that's, they, they deserve all the credit for toughing me up, making me refuse uh, to cry or I couldn't tell mom if they picked on me, I couldn't tell anybody. I just had to, just had to take it and, and, and suck it up and, and keep going. So they, they, they take all the credit for that. Well, they should, because I take credit for my younger brother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, I, I, my younger brother, actually, when I started going to college and, and having some success, he was a high school student. I didn't win squat in, in high school. He won Super Bowls. He was undefeated for three years, all that stuff. And he resented me. He, he like, During those years, we were, I mean, fist fights. I mean, whipping baseballs at my face from close range. And it wasn't until he became a freshman in college, I was a senior, that he saw how hard I'm working and all that, and, and we end up getting close. It's really cool to see, and I think this is a post-football thing. We let our guard down a little. We're allowed to just speak our mind. We don't have to watch. Every so to see the, the interaction of you and Peyton, uh, the personalities come out. Uh, it's been so much fun. When do you guys start back? On yeah, the we start, uh, yeah, we got kind of a little three-week uh, break, and we'll come back for the uh, uh, Saints. We're playing at Seattle week seven. So we'll come back for that, and, and then – We'll do two in a row. Then we got Giants at, at Kansas City. Um, yeah, the Giants, you know, for Monday Night Football, the Giants did not draw the easiest Monday Night games, Kansas City and Tampa Bay, you know, this year. So uh, not, not the easiest you know, two teams to play. But, you know, it, it is. It's having a lot of fun with your brother. It's nice when you're, you know, your co-host is someone who you feel so comfortable with. You can take shots at. You kind of you know, set them up to take shots at you. Just, you know, we've, we've been through it. Um, you know, no one's going to get sensitive. No one's going to get their feelings hurt. And and then you can kind of set them up. You, you know you know stories that they've told personally to you. You can set them up during the show. You, you know, um, you know, that, you know, some questions I ask him, I know the answer, but I know it's a good story. And he's going to talk 
something about X's and O's. And, and so it is, it is a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't remember last time I watched the Monday night football game with, you know, with my big brother is probably back in, you know, I think that yeah, 1994, you know, when he was in high school and I was in uh, middle school. And so to kind of get to do that during the season, do some preparation, it kind of keeps you, it's been fun. It, you know, it just keeps me in the game. You know, you, you got to study, you're knowing all the coaches, you're knowing uh, the players and, and watching film. And so it, it's fun to, to stay involved in the game. Congratulations on the Jersey retirement on the show. Uh, on the Monday night thing, you got a lot going on. So it's awesome. Just uh, keep around the game. We love having you and uh, more of that personality coming out week after week. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much, Eli. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Doug. A lot of fun, pal. Well, thank you, Eli. That uh, I'll tell you what, and I don't realize it because we think of Peyton Manning as the legend. Eli Manning's a legend as well. He's Hall of Famer, first ballot guaranteed, two Super Bowl championships, two MVPs. They're the only the only thing you can say was a little up and down, but that goes with the team you're playing with at times. But because Peyton was Peyton first, we don't always think of Eli in that manner. And I'd just like to thank Eli for coming on. Uh, Tom, let's head over to some Twitter questions and uh, see what's going on out there in the universe. Yep. Uh, another week, Doug. We'll do a little Twitter Q&A here. And every week you send your questions or comments to at Doug Flutie. We'll read them right here on the Flutie Flakes cast. And before a few here, I got to ask you, like, you know, everybody said Cooper was almost a better athlete out of the entire family. So he got hurt. I feel like Peyton's the type of guy who just picks on the rest of his brothers. And like after years of harassment, like you find ways to give it back to Peyton. That's the way I, uh, I that's the vibe I get. Oh, yeah. Well, he's the first, you know, it's kind of what I just said about being the elite guy that was the Hall of Famer first. He is the older brother. He will always be the older brother and have control. I have an older brother that's a year older than me. I did more athletically than he did. Doesn't matter. He's the older brother. We play baseball together. He's in control and he's you know running the show. It's just that's the way it is. And then he, he does. He's, you know, it's been really fun to see is post-career guys loosening up and, and Peyton did a little of this, you know, even while he was playing, but the personality that comes out and you see it all because now they can relate. They don't have to watch as closely what comes out of their mouth, what they say, they can be free to say what they want. And it's really fun to see Peyton's commercials and Peyton and Eli together on Monday night and, and the fun stuff, because now, now the handcuffs are off. They can just go be themselves. Yeah, they are terrific on Monday night together. Uh, definitely a must watch, I think, in my opinion. A couple things here, Doug. I know you were back at Boston College this past weekend for the football game. And now this person says, how, feel, how good did it feel to be back at Boston College? And now I need to ask, like, what is the security detail around Doug Flutie when you're up at BC <laughs> and Chestnut Hill? It's zero. I just go. And the problem is I do know everybody. Like, it's not like they see me and, oh, it's Doug Flutie. I have to say hi. It's like. No, we, uh, this guy coached me in high school. This guy's son and I played together. Uh, these guys, our kids all played or he plays with my nephews. This guy did this. So it's like, you really know everyone. And it's like, it takes forever to walk a couple hundred yards because you just, I, we had a Heisman house appearance. I went over, signed some autographs for a while. And, and it was, it was just a lot of fun, uh, for me to be back on campus. It's like, like a big warm hug. 
And then the game was amazing. And the kids were great. What's really just the biggest thrill to me. I played 35 years ago, actually 36 at Boston College. They're still wearing 22 jerseys in the stands. And it's just the coolest feeling in the world for me. And I've kind of had a rapport with the kids. I've gone uh, at different times and spoke on campus or whatnot. And, and uh, during COVID, during the quarantine time, uh, a bunch of the kids and I were direct messaging each other. And I'd be like, you know, don't worry, you know, football. I'm sorry that, you know, this year's the way it is for you guys, especially the senior class. It was a shame that their senior year went that way. So then I'm around campus having fun, taking a tour of some of the new facilities. They got a new rec center there. And I always played pickup basketball. So uh, Sunday afternoon, I went to one of my nephew's birthday parties, the entire family's around. And I told the, the, my, my nephews, I'm like, I'm going in, I'm going in to play pickup basketball at BC. I told some of the kids at BC, I'll be in tomorrow evening. And they're like, oh, I'd love to do that. They're all at the age now, about 30 years old, where they got little rug racks going all, they can't get away. The wives are going to got the whip out. They're not going to get away, right? They got to take care of their kids. So I'm on my way into BC and sure enough, I get the text, we're in, we're coming. So two former BC quarterbacks and a D1 baseball player. You know, I got my athletes, I got my team together to cover up for the old man. And uh, we went in and had a blast, played some pickup ball in a BC. Yeah, I, I personally, I think that's the beauty of college athletics, right? Because like you get these alums that come back and they'll play pickup basketball or they'll throw the football around or they'll speak to the team. Like, I think that means a lot to a lot of these athletes, or even just the students on campus. The generations, you know, they, they, they cross over. And so many of my teammates have sons that have gone through BC and now graduating, some still playing, some getting out. So there's always some kind of connection. And then the connection of the alumni to the university is so huge in all aspects. You know, Jeff Halfley at head coach now has really made a point to bring Former play, uh, Matt Hasselback was there as well this weekend with me doing some stuff. And, um, you know, just some of the guys that were on my team were around. So it's just a fun thing. Uh, it's great for the university. The kids enjoy seeing it. And you forget that they're, see, I look at them as, all, I don't know. I, I always look at myself as a little kid. So when they look up to you, it, it's kind of weird to me, but you realize that they kind of idolize the guys that went before them. And there's a legacy just before, um, Dennis Grossell went out as quarterback. He went out to, to win the game through a touchdown pass in the overtime. He and I kind of made eye contact, came over. He gave me a fist bump. And all I said to him was one play at a time was my advice. But uh, he went out two plays later, throws a winning touchdown pass. So I'll take credit. Uh, this one you have a connection to. Uh, one question this week, or at least a comment. Toronto Argos won this past week. Uh, he said, Doc, how much you actually still pay attention to the CFL, uh, you know, on a weekly basis or whatever? I'll text. Uh, I'm still close with Dave Dickinson and Je John Huffnagel up in Calgary. I'm still close with Pinball Clemens in, in Toronto. Uh, he's involved in the organization. He used to head coach, GM, blah, blah. So I loosely keep in touch. And whenever I stumble on a game on, I don't look for it. But if there is a CFL game on and I go, I stop and I watch it and it just sucks me in. I love the game. Um, it's really healthy for that league to have a good team in Toronto. That's always, uh, it, it's a measuring stick of whether that the league is going to have a good year is whether or not Toronto has a strong team. Because when Toronto does not have a strong team, it can get ugly over there. Uh, so I wish them all the best. It's fun. It's fun that I do know some of the names still because I watched enough games. But, you know, I watch the offenses and I watch, I'm sure it's what Peyton Manning does when he's home and Eli at home. They, they see a front, they see a coverage, and they still think, bam, I can pick that apart. We're going to go here with the ball. We're going to do – and that's me 
looking at the CFL game. It's like, oh, they're lined up. They can't line up that way. We'll do this. And uh, it makes you feel like you could walk right back out on the field and do it. And one last one here. And uh, I guess we kind of NFL. There's five teams left in the NFL that are undefeated. So, Doug, just give me one of these teams that might surprise you that they're still undefeated. Cardinals 3-0, Rams 3-0, Broncos 3-0, Raiders 3-0, and the Panthers 3-0. One team surprised you there? The big uh, Carolina, right? That's that's my pet peeve this year is Carolina and Sam Darnold. I was so happy. I had a chance. And I think I've said this a couple of times. I had a chance to cover Sam in college and I really like the kid. I love his family, blah, blah, blah. I'm rooting for him. And he goes to New York and it's like the place that quarterbacks go to wither away. It, it just has been unbelievable. So when he got out of it, I said it, you know, the, with all the trades that went on, and uh, on draft day, and he got to Carolina, I just thought he's the winner in this draft, and I'm rooting for him. And it's exciting for me to see him doing well and see Carolina at 3-0. and always love answering the questions because it brings up the stories and brings up some memories for me a lot of times, like being able to talk about the CFL. Keep the Twitter questions coming. It's a lot of fun. And remember, you can get the Flutie Flakes cast on Apple, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to rate and review. The Flutie Flakes cast is a part of the SiriusXM podcast network. The executive producer is Tom Cress. The associate producers are Chris Tyler and Denny Gallagher. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. Serious XM Podcasts.